1: Are listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ K5TUX, Cheryl W5MOO, and Bill NE4RD.
2: And uh, we're going to dive in and tell you what we think of it, what we found and how it works for your ham shack use or even general computing use. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ k 5 tux
0: i am Cheryl W5MOO.
2: And I'm Bill NE4RD. All right. So as we've already discussed, our topic for tonight is jammy jellyfish. So strawberry preserves and ocean creatures yep. or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a little look at the latest release, uh, latest long-term support release, in fact, of Ubuntu. And, uh, let you know what we think of it, and what you can expect from the latest release. Honestly, the first thing I noticed was that if you're using 2004 or even any of the intermediate versions between 2004 and 2204, you're not really going to notice a whole lot. There, there are definitely some things that are different. There are a lot of things that are the same. But I'll let Bill start with what he found. Like which which distributions are which versions of a heavy tribe.
3: So um yeah I was going to try the Zubuntu because we had talked about it and um frankly it was uh it was a little ugly to look at so <laughs> That's not why. I was like screw it I'm just going to go try the regular version cuz I want to see all the nuances and stuff like that cuz I haven't really messed with the uh the main the main release in quite a while cuz I I've never really been a fan per se um but um, I did try out the regular release on real hardware, so I uh, I have tried it on both virtual and real hardware at this point.
2: Well, as it happens, I have done the same. I have installed 22.04 in a VM using Hyper-V, and I have installed it on bare metal, which I did a mere couple of hours ago. So the first thing I noticed is that other than the desktop background being a jellyfish, it really just doesn't look that different. I noticed that there's some ui polish in gnome it does look a little cleaner it behaves a little more responsibly at least to me and i'm using it on a relatively low powered machine so i didn't notice any performance issues straight out of the box um i was able to you know configure the dock the way i like to make it look as a as a sort of a mac ish looking dock so it's, it's not Unity with that wall of icons down the left-hand side, which can't stand.
3: Yes, that's, that's the same thing I did on mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes place of the, the dash to dock type thing that uh, a lot of people would use as a, uh, as a GNOME extension.
2: Right, so you really don't need to do that. If you just want a dock-like scenario, you can make the Unity. I, are they still calling it Unity? I don't even know. Uh, I don't think so. It's just the Ubuntu bastardized version of, of Gnome at this point. I guess. <laughs> right. There.
3: It would be their customized version of Gnome versus like a Ubuntu or something like that, right? Which would be just pure Gnome. But I didn't try that out.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's responsive. It work. It looks good. Honestly, the uh, you know installation of applications, all that stuff's pretty much the same. There there are some outlined details in their changelog and why don't we just go ahead and maybe run through those and address them from what from our perspective uh, on each point
3: so did you put the change log in here i didn't see that i did not i just put the uh, i just put the blog post in here <laughs> well so let can... me do that while you find the change log real quick and uh, so yeah this is the uh, the advertisement from the ubuntu blog about jammy jellyfish And they start with Linux desktop performance has had a massive upgrade for this release. Thanks to the work of the GNOME triple buffering, Uh, Intel and Raspberry Pi graphics drivers will now see up to double the frame rate when navigating the desktop. This could probably answer some of the responsiveness uh, questions. Uh, We also see significant improvements when using AMD and NVIDIA graphics cards, as well as a runtime power management for NVIDIA GPUs. Wayland is now the default display server for most systems, uh, whilst X11 remains the default for those with NVIDIA GPUs. I will have some commentary on that as well. Uh, GNOME 42 also brings new powerful profile options, allowing users to choose between performance and power consumption for the uh, setting screen. I haven't messed with that yet. That looks cool. Uh, as always, Ubuntu comes with a host of other tweaks and updates in addition to the headline features. Uh, we've already talked about the new kernel and whatnot. Uh, Pulse Audio delivers a number of improvements for Bluetooth headsets with support for a wider range of devices and battery level reporting. Uh, LibreOffice, Thunderbird, and Firefox have all been updated to the latest versions. And Firefox now ships as a Snap, Snap, uh, published by Mozilla. The developers also have the access to the latest tool chains for Python, Ruby, Perl, Go, PHP, and now Rust. Rust is a new addition for Ubuntu 2204 LTS, supporting memory-safe systems-level programming. So that's the blurb. What you find on the changelog that interests your fancy?
2: Well, a lot of those points were actually referenced in the changelog, but we can go take a look at what they've got here in the community blog post about the update. It shows updated packages. First one they mentioned, of course, is the Linux kernel, which is five point one seven. So, let's see. Actually, yeah, I guess that's right. Five point one seven. There's there's some talk here about five five point one five and then five point one seven. So, not sure. I didn't even look to see which one <laughs> <What> was on. <laughs> my I'll, I'll boot
3: my little box here while you talk.
2: Okay. Let's see. The next thing they mentioned is UDP being disabled for NFS mounts. So apparently NFS will only operate over TCP at this point in the new version. So, okay, I'm not sure how many people that affects. It certainly doesn't worry me any, I guess, as long as NFS works, I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> Probably a security thing though. Let's see, tool chain upgrades, updates to GCC, bin utils, glibc, Perl, LLVM, blah, 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 and OpenJDK. JDK are all the way up to version 18. Hey. If you need your Java, uh, let's see a new version of System D up to version 249.11. So, probably some enhancements there. OpenSSL is now 3.0. Uh, I'm assuming that disables all the weak encryption algorithms and all that stuff. So, it's more secure, more happy. Uh, they've got additional security improvements. NF tables is now the default backend for the firewall. No longer using what was the other thing. IP, IP tables, I guess, as the reference to, to NF tables, but there was another thing, not PF. There's a different one, but yeah, oh, well, X yeah, tables, I guess. To... <laughs> X so the tables kernel 7. is a five one five. Okay. It does say something about, you can opt into five one seven, ubuntu desktop will automatically opt into five one seven on the latest generations of certified devices Oh, oh there you go
3: <laughs> so yes. my hardware i put it on was this uh, um what is this adele Adele uh x um x p s thirteen ninety three sixty five so it's one of those flip in half convertible devices but it's only a gen seven i seven mobile unit, so it's, uh, you know, not the latest, greatest
2: unit. Yeah, I put my my of Metal was a Core i3, and I'm not even sure what gen Core i3. It's a Dell Inspiron something or other, so way lower power than your XPS, <laughs> <laughs> but still did not seem to have any issues.
3: Yeah, no, this is quite zippy. I actually had uh, Garuda on here before. This is kind of just my toy box now. I don't really ever install anything that I care about <laughs> on it um let me make a couple of comments uh so the installation is pretty much the same uh i believe that the installer has been rewritten in flutter i thought that was already out right that that they, they changed that a while back maybe for the 2104 was the first one
2: not listed in this update yeah so. i
3: don't think it's new anymore so just probably nobody cares about that uh the installer and installation didn't detect that i was in denver you know denver time zone mountain time zone which i thought was odd cuz it used to pretty much do that right away um so maybe you know it doesn't quite uh, have location services turned on to start with at much or it doesn't worry about that too much to uh, do that initially i will say this is a 13 uh, inch you know laptop but it has a 4k screen <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: um, if, it's, if the high DPI stuff is not going to work, you're going to notice it pretty quick because everything comes up super, 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 super tiny. Um, and uh, let me tell you, it, uh, it did not. It actually automatically zoomed in the uh, UI, knowing the fact that it was on a small device but a high resolution. So kudos for the high DPI recognition on installation. And uh, also first boot of the uh, first boot of the OS. Um, It was not like that for Zubuntu. Zubuntu thought, hey, 4K, here we go, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't really care much about the hardware itself. So, uh, I mean, you just notice a little bit of these polish elements um, um, from the the main version and some of these, you know, um, flavors or whatever they call them spins. No, that's that's Fedora. I guess uh, flavors. We'll call it flavors for now. Um, So, yeah, uh, the high DPI stuff worked really good. Uh, The customizations, we already kind of talked a little bit about that, being able to move your dock and then, you know, remove it as a panel so it doesn't go for all the way to the end of the screen so it looks just like it's a floating dock um, like dock to dash would do or dash to dock. Uh, The dark mode uh, appears to be really consistent. Um, uh, What was I going to mention about the high DPI as well? Okay, so here's the downfall about high DPI. <laughs> Although it does shrink all the fairly smart UI elements down, if you run an app that is maybe not so smart, um, I won't mention any names, CQR log, um, <laughs> or, well, just, pr- just about any other somebody's GTK project, even WSJTX and stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't scale quite right when it's scaled. <laughs> <laughs> the elements are kind of wonky sometimes they don't know how to space the window um yeah so generally on the high dpi screen i actually flip it to a more native resolution so it can run 100 percent. but still i think it's it's a long way in coming um i will also say that i don't like the way windows does scaling of the ui <laughs> it does uh it does it weird as well and uh well we, we all know that gtk apps don't play very well with that inside of windows if you've ever done that before or if you uh you know do some other stuff like remote desktop into an even older system and it doesn't populate the fact that you're scaled (laughs) you bring in your your connection to windows 2008 r2 uh into 4k (laughs) just not good to remote 4k (laughs) but anyway uh yeah, so it's 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 pretty good, but I always switch it to a native resolution to kind of get rid of the wonkiness, so I'd say it's getting really close to to good support for that um the downfall of course, is the fact that there's too many u i toolkits, and it shows as soon as you're into that kind of that space, you know you have q t k and g t k and well, everything else web rendered the web render stuff all looks good and you know stuff like that it's it's really the the main toolkits that always tend to either work really well in the environment or not really well in the environment you put it in um so yeah your mileage may vary if you're in that situation where you have a tiny screen and you're scaling it um with a high resolution in the background you're better off to either switch it back to something native that doesn't look bad on the video card or the screen and that's that's all I do I just switch it to a a nicer resolution, and uh, it looks beautiful. Um, it also allowed me to test touch touch screen because they did make mention of that uh, in this release. That the touch screen enus of uh, of GNOME was really good, and I, I do have to report I, I do like the, uh, the swapping between uh, workspaces with the with the swipe. And uh, the only couple of things that did not work as expected. The little um uh, what's a little nine dot thing called the, the oh. that, like the panel of, of apps right it's sort of
2: like the start button go- maybe yeah, it's like the cross hatch I know what you're talking about tick tack, yeah no. so
3: like yeah in gnome you have uh, on the right hand side of your bar or it'd be at the bottom of your bar, you have the thing that launches the grid of all the applications think of like Windows eight start menu because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looks like um uh which one came first well, let'll see um uh, yeah so that if you uh if you click it with your mouse it just opens up and then you see the apps in the workspace you got the workspaces across the top and then you have your apps kind of like your start menu apps are in a nice big grid right below that so on touch if i touch it and and let go it uh it just comes up like a panel underneath the uh, the dock and goes away so it doesn't actually bring that up I found that I actually had to like hold it so I touch it and it holds and then boom it pops up so maybe that's something different for touch but I found that kind of um, weird I thought it didn't work <laughs> at first because it was different than clicking it with a mouse um, I mean I, I should expect that the behavior should be the same in theory I don't I mean I don't have to hold it with a mouse to bring it up And there's no other functionality for that button other than bringing that up that I know of. So I found that kind of weird uh, as a touch kind of item. Um, The keyboard did properly disengage when I flipped my device around because it it should turn off the keyboard as soon as I go into full like tablet mode. Uh, That worked fine. However, and I don't know if this was just the app I was running at the time. um, I was actually in the software center in Wayland. And it prompted me for my authentication password. The The little uh, touch keyboard came up like it should, but it didn't let me touch any of the buttons. So, like, the keyboard would not function at all when I was in Wayland. Now, I didn't test that any further. I immediately switched to X11, and all of a sudden, everything was working right with the uh, touch keyboard and everything else. So I don't know if that's specific to Wayland and my particular laptop that I'm using, but I did find that kind of like an odd, an odd occurrence (laughs) from what something seemed like it would really work really well. (laughs) And everything else, touch raising wise, you know, touch way wise was working to have the keyboard not work, but actually prompt you. I mean, it actually came up because I touched the little text area and the keyboard popped up, but I could not touch the keyboard. So yeah, that was kind of weird in Wayland um the screenshot app was mentioned too as a something new and shiny and stuff like that um it it works fine it's nothing special i mean I, i've been using the one in KDE and garuda for a while so i think that one has all of the similar features and stuff like that it is kind of nice though because it does uh i noticed like when you want to do a selection for the window it does kind of like bring the window center inside of the frame so that's kind of cool and it also can do screen records if you, you're interested in screen recording your desktop for any particular reason. Um, That's pretty much all the basics that I ran across before I started doing the ham radio stuff. Did you find anything else you wanted to mention about that?
2: I wanted to jump back to the installer. The uh, One of the things I noticed when I was doing my install that I don't recall happening in earlier versions, or at least may not have happened for a few revisions, is that when it, went to the target disk to do the install onto it shows the install media by default and i don't recall that happening in any more recent version than this one it usually always is, seems smart enough to know not to install onto the disk it's trying to read from
3: <laughs> oh i didn't even look <laughs> i just clicked clicked erase the previous install and continue i didn't even didn't even go in
2: Oh, I, I did that, but the, the option, uh, you know, I I chose the option to erase and reinstall. But the device that had chosen to do that reinstall on when it asked for confirmation was the install disk, the USB drive, not the target disk.
3: <laughs> that's crazy. I did not run into that.
2: That's That's interesting.
3: Maybe it's something to do with, like, your enumeration of devices.
2: That could very well be, but it did happen, so... Thought yeah i'd say that's a that's a bug <laughs> <laughs> i would certainly think so because if you if you weren't paying attention i mean it wouldn't have been catastrophic obviously it would have just gotten to some point in the installation and then blown up but it wouldn't have ruined your your target drive at least but yeah problematic for sure that was that was the only other thing i mean i i i didn't i looked at you know the the window manager and the file manager and the things like that and it all looked pretty solid didn't have any issues i, I only did it in wayland because i have a intel graphics card so obviously it started up in wayland it was not a convertible laptop so i didn't have any of those issues with uh, the keyboard the soft keys and, and things like that but yeah for the most part no, nothing really there it, it all just fired up and worked and and did what it was supposed to do. I, sh- I should try the X11 version, see if it's even any faster than Wayland, but so far, so good.
3: Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I only switched to X11 for, well, for that particular bug, and there'll be something else that I did switch to, but I haven't tested it, but I'm going to test it in a few minutes.
2: <laughs> I'm probably <laughs> going to have to switch to X11 anyway because I'm going to be using this with um, Barrier, and I'm pretty sure Barrier still doesn't support Wayland. So
3: Yeah, I think that's true.
2: So I'll just, I'll go back to using the X version. It's fine. It it, it works and I'm happy with it. And honestly, you know, other than the fact that the, the X server underneath is different, they they don't look different. So.
3: Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I was just actually running what I wanted to test. And of course it ran fine.
2: I guess we should point out that people may not even realize that there is a way to switch the X engine and that's on the login screen. When you get to your username Somewhere on the screen, I think it's like lower right or something, there's yeah, a little... bottom right. Yeah, there's a gear icon. And if you click on that, it allows you to switch to whatever desktop environment and underlying X server happens to be available on your system. For a default install of 2204, it should be uh, Ubuntu on Wayland and Ubuntu on X11.
3: Yeah, it says so, just Ubuntu for the Wayland version. And then it says Ubuntu on X11 for the X11 version.
2: Yeah, so, in case you didn't know how to do that, that's where it is.
3: Yeah, that's that should be consistent across any of the any of the yeah, any of the multi multi-desktop environment setups. They just have that gear icon in different places depending upon your loader. <laughs> so,
2: right, whether you're using GDM or LightDM or whatever the yeah, that might move around a little bit. Yep. But should be pretty consistent. I did see in here that part of the GNOME update is that the default remote desktop protocol is now RDP. VNC is still available, but it is secondary.
3: I think that's because RDP actually works with Wayland.
2: And RDP is way better than VNC anyway. I I understand it's a Microsoft protocol, but it just works so much better than VNC ever did.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well
2: i i've i've done rdp over connections that basically nothing should have worked on and it's it's like a flawless experience vnc just seems to be much less compressed use much more bandwidth and just be generally not as good
3: yeah you have to really jigger around with the settings on vnc to get it happy on slow connections and stuff like that but uh but yeah, yeah, it was kind of expected. Um, apparently, there's a team viewer version that works fine for this as well on Wayland, which is good. Because good, the more stuff that works fine on Wayland, the better Wayland will be for the rest of the community and uh, ecosystem. <laughs>
2: there's still issues out there. All right, well, the, West, the rest of us just switch over to X11. So
3: <laughs> yeah, It's just easier, right? <laughs> exactly.
2: For all the legacy stuff that doesn't support Wayland yet. Wayland... For, for all the work they're doing on it, it's just to me, it's just not quite ready for prime time.
3: Yeah, there's little gotchas here and there, and uh, we'll talk about one of them here as we go through the ham radio stuff. So I did uh, do the ham radio pure blend installation, and um, yeah, everything worked fine there, including, uh, you know, installed pretty much everything I would normally install. Uh, including CQR Log 252, WSJTX 254, jSA 8 Call 221, Devel version. That was the oddball that we noticed uh, a few weeks ago. You know, all the usual stuff, Qtel, GQRX, Chirp, Quisk. Um, yeah, there's a, just a plethora of tools that you can find inside the Ham Radio Pure Blend. And it was nice to see that the everything was there. The only oddity for CQR log users: remember before you launch CQR log the very first time to go ahead and run the sudo apt install MariaDB-server and MariaDB-client. You know that what that will do is actually uninstall MySQL server and MySQL client and stub this one in there. And uh, after that, CQR log launches fine, creates its own databases. You don't have to mess around with AppArmor or anything else because if you go to the point of removing AppArmor, it removes Snap as well which if you use any snaps like that fancy new uh that fancy new uh firefox, that firefox? yeah
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> all of a sudden your firefox won't work so you probably don't want to mess around with app armor too much i did kind of play around with the settings a little bit in that to try to get my sql server and stuff to work and i just had no joy with that at all so flipping it over to maria db worked flawlessly and uh, since it only requires the one extra command line to get it done i i suggest that's uh that's a smart way for uh for you all to do it um i did try well i did look around for sdr++ an actual dev that would work um I didn't see one particularly for jammy jellyfish at this point i did uh try installing one of the other debs and uh yeah yeah you know I got some error messages and stuff like that that I wasn't happy with, so I just quickly uninstalled it, and I said I'd come back to that. Did you
2: install s d r plus plus on yours? I didn't get it as far as getting the ham radio applications installed. I was going to do that then the lawn was calling, so I had to uh, <laughs> I had to tend to that before I got to installing the pure blend, so
3: okay, so you didn't do do any of that okay, cool, so I'll just keep on talking on this stuff. Uh, the WFU uh, also has a dev available, I think, but not for jammy jellyfish. So I didn't install that either. Um, I could install both those by um, software, you know whatever um, you know source or whatever, and it would probably be fine. Um, SDR Angel is available as a snap, and I know the last time I checked this out, it did not work at all. Um, but this time, it didn't work the first time. How about that? It didn't work the first time. And uh, guess what the error was? Uh, what was the error? Uh, something missing for Wayland to work properly. <laughs> 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 so apparently, uh, the Snap Store doesn't enforce the fact that you probably should have Wayland compatibility in your app sitting there as well. So this app, of course, did not come with uh, Wayland. Um, Wayland what uh, is a library for EGL or something like that some graphics library, obviously. Um, but when I switched it over to X11 and launched it, lo and behold, it popped right up. So that that's kind of awesome. Uh, very awesome news that, that that works straight out of the box and because SDR Angel is, you know, all, all the batteries included SDR app that uh, I know I like to play with and we've talked about on the show here. So all in all, everything, uh, everything worked very well, installed very well. Um, I'll circle back to SDR++, and WFU, and I, I think what we'll do is we will we will install this, make this the 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 distribution that we're gonna bring. I'm still not a hundred percent happy because you know I just don't want people to have problems with Wayland and stuff like that. But I I think this is a necessary uh this is a necessary evil at this point that we have to go through this as users, and it just. It does kind of diminish the value of using this <laughs> somewhat. For those of us that don't care too much about the problems, can kind of work through them. These are the kind of detractors that give people, you know, that have like check boxes, uh, reasons to check the box to say that, you know, Linux sucks or it doesn't work. It's, it's cause exactly the reasons that, uh, you know, we go through these things and find these little nuances. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is where it comes from. Little silly things, little silly things like that, (laughs) that it's like, oh, all I have to do is log out and switch to X11 and then, you know, 99% of the problems that are compatibility issues with Wayland would go away.
2: Yeah. Maybe we should just make it a default recommendation to just use the X11 server, at least for now, until some of these kind of quirky issues get worked out. Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, it's been years of quirky issues with Wayland, <laughs> but the Wayland people keep telling everybody else to work them out. <laughs> as far
2: as I'm aware, that's been the the broken record. Yeah, maybe so, but who exactly has been, you know, foisting the 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 uh, adoption of Wayland? I, I assume it's the Wayland people, not the. <laughs> Not well, it's way. also
3: the lack of development in X11 to be fix the problems with X11. Cause I mean, there are problems with X11. This has, you, know, you know, been a performance problem from the get go. So, yeah, I mean, but the problem is everything has been designed to work really well with X11. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it's a sort of a necessary evil for us to use a, you know, an X Windows server that is very, very outdated, but it's functional
2: right but unfortunately that's kind of the way of the world right now until either wayland updates and makes itself a little more accessible to the application developers that are trying to migrate from x11 over to wayland or those folks actually just put in the effort to you know fix their wayland incompatibility issues so <laughs> yeah oh and uh, the sdr angel thing um that's that's great I, I would recommend that you have a pc with some horsepower if you're going to use sdr angel if you're if you're on a lower end system, SDR plus plus is probably what you want to look at. It's much quicker, written in a lower level language, and just you know less resource intensive. But SDR Angel is definitely the uh, Cadillac of SDR apps.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love SDR plus plus. I mean, it's very simple. It works really well. It uh, looks good. Um, but yeah, I just I couldn't. I did, couldn't get it to easily install out of the box, so I didn't install it. But obviously for for you all that will be you know, partaking in our ISOs, I will definitely have it installed and working on the live disk and also uh, makes it itself available uh, during the installation. So you won't have any of the same problems. Um, and hopefully by then we'll start seeing these builds for uh, Jamie Jellyfish out there on the build server. So.
2: It sounds good to me. So, unless the chat room has any questions or there's anything else you want to touch on about this, I think we've covered everything we need to cover. There's, there's more stuff in the changelog. I've got a link to it. That'll be in the show notes. If you want to read all of the gory details about uh, the minutiae of uh, what's been updated, you can do that. One thing they were talking a lot about is Container D, and I think that's a topic we're going to have to get into in a future episode. So
3: yeah i I really haven't messed with it so that should be uh should be interesting to look at there
2: yeah i would like to look at that and there's apparently a lot of integration in the latest version of ubuntu with container d and i'm not sure if it's something that they're trying to make transparent to the user and put that into place for virtualized environments or containerization or if it's something that's just for developers but we should probably look at it in a in some depth at at some point in the future, but that's not a topic for this evening. That's just something that Ubuntu is apparently embracing.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to, think. I did have to install one silly thing. What was it? Ubuntu. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I had to install Ubuntu. <laughs> no, um, I had to install a different version of lib fuse in order to uh, run an app image. So I did find that to be, just another oddity thing. I had heard that, you know, obviously certain things are start going to not work right <laughs> because, you know, they want everything to use Snap. Um, but uh, apparently some of the older app images are using the old views uh, library when they were built. So um, if you happen to be using one of those, which I was using lena Etcher app, which I use a lot for flashing drives and stuff like that, and that comes as an app image. I did notice that I had to do uh, an apt install uh, libfuse2 in order to uh, to get that executable. It just threw an error right away when uh, when I executed it for the first time. So so if you're an app image user, be aware that you may have to do that same thing. It was pretty obvious error that came up, so that's why I went right to it. <laughs> so I didn't even have to Google for an answer. I just searched to see which libfuse library was not installed and that's the one i'm going to install
2: all right so another little gotcha but overall so so are you willing to give 2204 an initial readiness score at this point
3: yeah i think i'd give him the beta like a. what i give it like a four and uh if it i said if it stayed that way as a beta it would be a 3.5 but i i think i'll retract that now um if you're if you're willing to switch it over to x11 to kind of get rid of some of the compatibility issues um, just on a couple of things. I think for the most part, everything worked fine. I ran into a few random things in the regular use of it. And then, of course, SDR Angel, uh, from the Snap Store didn't have support for it initially. So, I mean, with that, I mean, I, I, it's definitely above a four. I would say maybe like a 4.2. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not the king. It's not the king of the, uh, of the uh, distros at this point for ham radio only because of just the, just the oddities of kind of getting through it. It is very easy to get the software installed and the ham radio pure blend made that super easy and all the versions are up to date, which is very nice. I would like to see those versions actually stay maintained in the LTS. This is what always kind of drags on. We uh, had the LTS for a couple of years and uh, you know, after the first year, you know, we got new versions of CQR log, WSJTX, JSA call, maybe not so much the other applications, but uh, generally they don't get love. <laughs> they never make it back out to the LTS because uh, the approval process workflow is too long to get into the LTS. So I don't know. I don't know how we can fix that as as a, as a ham radio consumer uh, in that distro in the LTS besides just doing what we've been doing, which is either sideload the devs or... You know, it, you know, distro hop. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah, 4.2, I think a solid 4.2 on this one. Um, again, it's, 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 it's good. I mean, all the other stuff, desktop usage wise, Ubuntu is great at, you know, adding printers, finds all your printers. You know, you, you, it does not take much effort to use this as a daily driver for. You know, I would say even somebody as not sophisticated as like a Chromebook user or something like that, where the you don't want them to break anything, it's hard to break the default stuff. You know? Um yeah, I would I would be comfortable installing this for most people to to just use, you know, grandma's they what they say a lot, right? You know, Did you install this for grandma? Yeah, okay, yeah. Grandma could probably run this. This wouldn't be too hard for her.
2: All right, fair enough. I know I was commenting the other day when we were talking, and I was saying that generally these late Linux distributions tend to be overall pretty stable anyway. So your experience is going to be pretty much the same, no matter what is the releases come out and you're not going to notice a lot of huge changes or bugs or gotchas or things like that. I mean, there's always the, the little stuff, but overall Linux distributions anymore, regardless of what flavor they are tend to be overall pretty stable systems with uh, very little to worry about for the average user. Yeah, sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Clicking away on the other machine just to get my SDR uh, uh dongle working in it too, but uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's all about all we can add to uh to this particular build. Uh be on the lookout for the uh, LHS build of this on our uh, on our download page and uh at, at Hambenchin.
2: Yep, absolutely. Speaking of which, We can uh, wrap up our topic for tonight. Any additional links and resources that we have will, of course, be in the show notes for you to click on at the website. You can check out any updated information we come to after the episode is released. But we are going to move on to announcements and feedbacks a section we haven't done in in quite a while, actually. (laughs) But uh, we should probably get to some of these because some of them have been around for a while uh so we'll get to some feedback but before we do that we do have a couple of announcements uh the first one sorry so the first one of course being that hamvention 2022 is only a couple of weeks away as of the release of this episode so we're looking forward to being there and we of course will be in our same spot which probably nobody remembers at this point because it's been a couple of years since there's been a hamvention but we are in building five we are at table or space five thousand and four and if you happen to wander into the front door of building five we are like five four or five booths down on the right hand side on your right so i don't know what actual direction that is but (laughs) (laughs) um i think that's like west but (laughs) who knows anyway um yeah. So, so we're on the right-hand side. If you come in the front door of building five, uh, we're, we're the door, we're the booth right before the, the next door going outside to the side of the building that separates us from HRD. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. You want to, you want to read, uh, what Darren's typing all in there while I, uh, I'll, I'll okay. give you, I'll let you do that as soon as I do the next, uh, and final yeah, sure. announcement which is that the SMARC Fest, Southwest Missouri Amateur Radio Club HamFest, is still going on. As far as I know, they asked me if I was still going to be there, and I told them I would. So that's June 4th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's a Saturday. And if you happen to be in Southwest Missouri and, you know, want to wave, like, after Hamvention, or if you don't get to Hamvention, I'll be there for that. So uh, what's what's the chat in the chat room?
3: Yeah, so uh, Darren was mentioning on my grandma comment that uh, he did install, he went to on his mom's desktop about a decade ago for three reasons. One, it was free. Two, it was difficult for her to wreck it. And three, it stopped my sister and my dad from messing with it for being Windows, Windows people, which, you know, they like fiddling all the, the buttons and settings and registries and stuff like that. So so there you go.
2: All right, very good. Steve says number three. Yeah, stop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> stop from messing with stuff. Yeah. I know what that's all about. Uh, I haven't got my parents on Linux yet. I can barely get them to power on a computer. So it's nothing I really have to worry about. As long as, as long as my mom's got her iPad, she's good to go. All right. So we do have quite a bit of feedback for this episode. And one thing we have not talked about is how we're going to be doing the social media roundup, uh, which is not called that anymore, <laughs> and uh, announcements and feedbacks going forward. What we will be doing is we will be having a segment on all of those things, Every single episode, regardless of what the episode type is, that way things don't linger and we make sure to get everybody answered and mentioned in a timely fashion. So that's one of the changes we've discussed and that's the way we're going to do it going forward. So since we've queued up a bunch of uh, feedback because we haven't been doing deep dive episodes, let's go ahead and get to some So the first one here. Is a comment on the YouTube video episode number 459 of our program from Caffrey nine, and he submitted a topic request for upcoming show, or when we do our wheel of topics during the weekender and his suggestion is a Linux tablet for field ops, which sounds like an interesting topic because we need to do some research, unless you've already got this one figured out (laughs)
3: Linux tablet for field ops. Um, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't like tablets for field ops, so no, I won't, won't won't even review it, because you shouldn't use a tablet for field ops, because if you're in the field, there might be weather, and guess what tablets and touch devices don't like? Weather. <laughs> <laughs> so, not a good idea. Um, best thing for field ops? Waterproof paper and waterproof pencil.
2: <laughs> well, let, let's not discuss the topics now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because the, those these are our topics that we're going to be hitting. When, you know, on our weekly okay, topics. So that'll are be whatever. a short one. That'll definitely yeah, be a short may, maybe a short one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we also have another comment sorry. on a YouTube video <laughs> CQR log failure to launch. This is one of the bills videos that he's put up, and this was from Corey Brown. He says, "Yeah, tried it today. Install worked, but the program fails to start. Sad. Removed from computer.
3: Yeah, that's very sad. Don't want to do that." So, um, but yeah, yeah, if you're on uh, Ubuntu, just like we talked about tonight, you know, do the, uh, do the MariaDB install and generally that fixes everything. Um, obviously Fedora doesn't have that problem. And, uh, I think we tested Garuda and it did have that problem, but I just did a build on, Not Endeavor. I think I did a build with Manjaro, and it didn't have that issue anymore. So I'll probably revisit that video, and we'll do a test uh, with all these new versions with Fedora 36 and uh, the newest Ubuntu, and we'll see how we get, uh, see if we get better at
2: doing that. All right. Very good. Well, this next one is on one of your videos also, so I'll let you cover it.
3: Sure. This is a comment on YouTube video, Building Your Hamshack Computer Part 2. So hopefully this isn't the very old, 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 old one. But anyway. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, the user says, very nice. I have this exact same setup, but CQR log 252 and Ubuntu 2004 plus the FT450D should be pretty much the same setup. Question. USB cat control cable. Which one do you use? Looking to identify the correct one before I buy it. Thanks. KC1 PDR. Well, KC1 PDR. Um, yeah, I used a, uh, I have, I, I used a, <laughs> <laughs> I used a serial cable because I actually had a docking station for my precision laptop that had a real serial port on it. So initially I used that, uh, but I do use um, the, uh, oh, what did they call it? Uh, there it is. The SCU 17 now. So like that is my, my connector device and my signal link box all in one. So I found one used, I picked it up for the, basically the same price as, as a signal link and it provides everything through usb the the sound and the uh cat control because it has a serial port on it um that solved all my connectivity problems or 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 switching around connectivity between devices and you know having the signal link plugging around all over the place and then getting that making sure i only use the computer with a a serial cable but i did have the a series of trying to find the right uh serial to USB device or or serial USB cable that actually functioned and didn't have other weird issues. But ever since I went to the SCU seventeen, that pretty much have resolved all those kind of random issues. So and it works fine in Linux. Um yeah. So I, I I mean I would recommend that if you if you haven't already invested in a signal Link and need that kind of same connectivity. It's it's worth the uh worth the price, unfortunately. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Very good. I, I use a bunch of different uh, generic PL2303 adapters to connect the things They usually work pretty good. Or I have a signal link, which is USB enabled, or I have a radio like my IC7100, which has its own USB interface. So, I mean, it's it's hard, almost hard to find something that doesn't work at this point. You almost have to try. <laughs> so um, you should be able to find something, no problem at all. I haven't actually tried to use a direct connect to the using the, uh, SCU, cause that's a Yazoo thing, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's specifically for uh Yazoo interfacing of radios
2: to the computer. So that's yeah.
3: Very specific. I don't think it, it, I guess you probably could get it to work with other devices, but it's really not made for that.
2: Yeah. It probably depends on pinouts and things like that. So, all right. So next up, Oh, by the way, thanks everybody for sending in your feedback. We appreciate all of this and I'm glad we actually have some feedback to address. Next, we have uh, an email from Don, K4EAE. He says, as a topic suggestion, KM4ACK would be good to talk about Vera FM on the Pi and BAP. And I'm not sure I know what BAP is. Mm, Me neither. But we'll put it down as a topic suggestion for sure. I don't know if this is going to be one we have to address as like a deep dive or we'll wind up on the wheel of topics. But one way or the other, we'll put it out there. So thanks, Don, for that. Uh, let's see. This is an email from Steve that was actually directed to me. This is from N09B. He says, hi, Russ. I like reading your news. It keeps me informed of some of the happenings in ham radio. I loaded a Linux distro that was ham based. Not sure which one. And now WSJTX installed. Once I got it running and set up, I plugged in my ICOM 7300 and tried doing FT8 with WSJTX. And every time I started the program, it immediately started transmitting and I couldn't change the settings to make it stop. For that reason, I abandoned the Linux distro and went back to Windows. Yuck. That's that's his yuck, not me. <laughs> I know enough about Linux to be dangerous and know that not everything will work the same between Windows and Linux, but the l- least I have to see is see it do is do FTA with my IC7300. I wouldn't expect you to troubleshoot the issues, but I was wondering if you had any comments on the subject. The distro is not running anymore since I had to give the Raspberry Pi back. Thanks. Steve... Well, when it comes to iComs anymore, I'm I'm using WFU for the interface, that seems to work brilliantly. But honestly, before I was doing that, uh, I believe the IC seventy three hundred is just like the IC seventy one hundred, in which case the USB interface should be built in. Um, but if yeah, so so all you have to do is we we've talked in previous episodes. I don't know that I could find one off the top of my head here, but about setting up your UDEV to properly integrate with the ICOM radios that have the built-in USB interfaces. And they they should be readily available and exposed to the WSJTX interface. I've never seen anybody have an issue with that specifically. And as far as the PTT being hot, you know, as soon as you fire up the application, I'm going to have to assume that's just some configuration setting like an rts flag or something inside of wsjtx it was probably something simple um, yeah
3: yeah it does sound like you've misconfigured wsjtx with the how it triggers the cat control
2: yeah i have to i have to imagine it would have been a simple fix and uh, if it's something you want to look at going forward and get a distribution installed and try it again I'm certainly willing to help you out with that but hopefully you'll come back to linux and not let a a thing like like that keep you away uh, from from the light and and the wonder, <laughs> but yeah.
3: And if you, uh, I mean, if you use FL Rig as your rig control, and then just point. Don't, don't use FL Rig.
0: <laughs> I know. Yes,
3: use FL Rig. <laughs> you'll, you'll like it better. Uh, yeah, generally that's that's what I do. I always use FL Rig for the rigs, and then then just point to point the apps at that, and just it, all the problems generally go away. <laughs> if there's any uh, direct connect issues, because you know, then you you have to. Set it all up different, maybe. Um, I do have the the what that BAP is, and that's Build a Pie, of course, because that's crazy uh, ACK. Yeah, <laughs> I just haven't heard it mentioned as BAP before. So that's
2: <laughs> nope, I haven't either. And we have we have already had was it was it Cam for ACK yeah. who did the Build Pie yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we already had an episode on that. So yeah, we've
3: had him on, and we've had the other um, ham ham pie as well. I think we had both on so far.
2: Yes. Yes, that's correct. Because one was Dave, like W6ED e, D, D something, <laughs> and Camp or ack Josh. Uh, no, not Josh. Uh, Jason. J- Jason? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so, some J name, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jason, I believe, is correct. Um, yeah, like that. <laughs> so maybe we can, real quick, I'm going to look at the search bar on the website and search for... AM 4 ACK. And that was the build a build a pie deep dive episode number 390. That's where you'll find that. Okay. So thanks Steve for the comments. And like I said, we'll try and help you get back into Linux any way we can. So let us know if we can help you in some way. Uh, let's see. Is Cheryl, is Cheryl around? Is she buried deep? Cause it's getting down to the end. So she needs to be here at some point.
0: I'm here.
2: Okay. I just wanted you... I thought it might be fun if you read Mike's email here as you scroll down to wherever it is yeah, we are. Yeah. No. no.
0: <laughs> I have it. Thanks. Uh,
2: okay. Well, it, it's a funny email, and uh, I thought it might be fun if you read it.
0: Okay. So, our next one is an email from Mike, K6GTE. And in that, he said... I think you mentioned you want to deep dive slash show topic ideas recently. So how to package your uh, software for distribution, like how to make a flat pack, how to make snap, how to make an app image, how to make a deb, how to make whatever Red Hat uses RPM, maybe it's been a while, uh, Arch, what the F they do use, pellets, dots, ghosts, blinky, pinky. Just what is the process of getting your package accepted included as an option for D slash Ling, buy app, yum, Pac-Man, or whatever the kids are using these days. And how to contribute to OSS. The process of how to clone a Git repository after you find a bug deficiency. Whiskey is typing for me. So that may be spelled wrong. How to fork, commit, submit a PR, Docker. What is it? Uh, containered. What is it? How to spin one up? How to connect an outside port to a container, to a container port. How to make your own container, Kubernetes, micro KHTS. My plant-based cookies are done. I must go. Oh, whiskey's plant-based, by the way. 73 Mike. <laughs> K6GT. <Yeah. laughs> I like the blinky pinky dot ghost, etc. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. So obviously he was enjoying life when he sent us that email, but there are quite a few good topics in there, and it'll definitely be stuff we put on the list for sure. So now now we have things to talk about for many episodes to come. I'm so glad people are submitting stuff. And don't feel like you have to stop. (laughs) The more suggestions we get, the better it's going to be. We already have a couple lined up because I've been experimenting with some other technologies recently. So we've got things in the pipeline, but we can always use more suggestions. And we really appreciate them coming in. And finally, we have an email from Roland Schwartz, O-E-1-R-S-A. And he says, as you requested, just a suggestion for a topic, LH, po- LHS podcast on Mastodon or HW, which what's HW. I'm not um, sure in a, in a private email. He also mentioned peer tube. Oh, so yeah. he's, he's asking about like whether or not we were going to participate in some of these other platforms and if not, why not kind of thing. So definitely a good topic suggestion. And those are things we will definitely be exploring as we go forward anyway as to why we're not yet using them. So anyway, thanks, everybody, for all of the feedback. We really appreciate it, and I hope you will continue to keep sending it in and show topic suggestions and and all kinds of good stuff like that. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we like to be able to be helpful when we possibly can. So coming down toward the very end of the show, our our last segment is going to be new subscribers, supporters, and live participants. We're going to go down through the list. This was uh, formerly, I guess, the social media roundup, but it's a little bit different. It's only going to include new social media subscribers and so on and so forth. If you're looking for the list of all of our patrons and subscribers, you can find that in the sponsors link in the in the uh, website not the show notes (laughs) the website so everybody be listed there uh so we don't waste a bunch of time mentioning everybody but we do want them to be recognized so the website is the place to find that but anybody who comes on board in between this you know the last episode and the current one will get mentioned in these lists so let's go ahead and we'll even uh, hit the folks who are with us in the live chat so Cheryl, what do you got
0: For our subscribers and Patreons, we have James. Excuse me, James Cunningham and Roland Schwartz. For Facebook, we have Charles Groover, Josh Messelane, Joshua McPhee, Mark Pilot, Jim Young, Ralph Stout, Anthony Stein, Brian Heinrich, Bill Bishop, Jeff Spencer, and Brian Blackburn. For Twitter, we have at Hyatt underscore Riley and at Pite lice i yeah i bet you that uh for youtube we have chuck mtig discord we have fluid reality do you want me to do live chat
2: yep go ahead and do the live chat okay
0: and for our live chat people that are here now we have kb6nu dan vk6ek darren K-A-7-H-V-T-Steven, and K-C-5-C-N-T, which is Russ.
2: Yep. Not not this one. Different one, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Very good. Well, that brings us down to the end of the program. So, we've gotten through the topic. Any additional links, of course, will be in the show notes. We want to thank everybody for listening, for tuning in, and for supporting the show and Any way that you do that, whether it's financially or simply downloading and listening, or better yet, even sharing it with your friends, however you might want to do that. We appreciate it. Appreciate you getting the word out. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube because once we get over a 1,000 subscribers, we'll be able to do more on there, like live broadcasts and stuff. And I really want to be able to do that. So if you can go subscribe to us over on YouTube, even if you don't listen to the episodes over there, uh, it will help us. Well, like I said, once we hit that 1,000 subscriber mark, we'll be able to do more with the platform. So please go over there, click the button, and, you know, help us out. In the meantime, we hope you have a great week. We hope to see you at Hamvention, and uh, we hope you tune in to the next episode, which will be a Short Topics episode, and it'll be coming up in a week's time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great one, and we'll catch you all next time. This has been episode number 465 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
2: And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com/lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at infolhspodcast.info at or leave us a voicemail at 1 show that's 1-909-547-7469 visit the online lhs merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise until next time remember to always heed your hedonism